Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brittany. I'm Diana. And this is episode 13. Today, we'll be reviewing season three, episodes seven and eight of The Walking Dead with the lens of manipulation. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Brittany? I'm doing well. I have a lot of weddings to go to this year, so I'm figuring out that this is the year of love. (laughs) (laughs) Every year is the year of love. (laughs) Yes. And how are you doing, Diana? I'm doing awesome. I have my cup of coffee, and it's sunny. And, you know, it's amazing. We are on episode 13. It's pretty wild. Yeah. (laughs) Go us. It's been fun. (laughs) But first, a recap. Season 3, Episode 7, When the Dead Come Knocking. Merle questions Glenn about where the rest of his group is, but Glenn totally screws up by saying that Andrea's with them, which obviously Merle knows is a lie. The governor questions Maggie about the group's whereabouts and pretends as if he is going to rape her to get her to talk. But... Maggie relents until the governor threatens Glenn. Unfortunately, she divulges that they're at the prison and there's only 10 people in their group. Meanwhile, Carl and Rick decide on the name Judith for the baby. Andrea is present for Milton's experiment of seeing if walkers can retain memories from their human lives. I'm pretty sure you can guess how that went. (laughs) I don't know what he was expecting. Oh, man. Anyway, Michonne, Oscar, Daryl, and Rick begin traveling to Woodbury to rescue Glenn and Maggie. Oh, crap. I just realized I said Andrea. I want to take a poll of how many of you think her name should be Andrea instead of Andrea. Who came up with that? Uh, I do it, too. I've said Andrea and Andrea. But it's Andrea, for the record. For the record. At least from her. Right. When I saw her say her own character's name. That's how all the other characters say her name, too. I just continually (laughs) mess it up. So we apologize to everybody if we (laughs) interchange the way we say her name. Somebody wrote, my name is Diane again on my Starbucks coffee. And I'm like, why do you call me Diane when I tell you my name is Diana? Happens all the time. Send an email. My name is on the email. It says Diana. But no, they (laughs) reply, hi, Diane. That drives me Diana. (laughs) Anyways. So we're sorry. (laughs) Yes, we're sorry, Andrea. Mostly me. (laughs) Okay. Season three, episode eight, Made to Suffer. We are introduced to five survivors, which includes Tyrese and Sasha, who have evaded walkers and find an entry into the prison. Carl hears them and goes to check it out. He finds them and leads them to safety, where he puts them under lock and key And Tyrese fully understands this. Meanwhile, Rick, Daryl, and Oscar are surveilling the perimeter of Woodbury, and Michonne goes off on her own. She waits for the governor, but finds Walker Penny. The governor (laughs) arrives and pleads with Michonne not to kill her, but Michonne does it anyway, and the governor has a conniption fit. While they're fighting, Michonne finds a shard of glass and stabs the governor in the eye. Andrea rushes in, and Michonne and Andrea are at a standoff. And I'm thinking, WTF? (laughs) Andrea, this was your friend for eight months, someone who saved you and nursed you back to health, and now you're protecting the governor after a night with him? Wow, Andrea. (laughs) Meanwhile, the group make it to Woodbury, right as Glenn and Maggie are escaping. After an exchange of gunfire, Rick, Glenn, and Maggie make it out but not before Oscar is killed and Daryl is captured. Michelle meets up with them, but Rick questions her motives. 
The governor holds a town meeting telling them that terrorists have attacked them and that one of the terrorists was their own, referring to Merle. And then he says he has further proof. The terrorist they caught was Merle's brother, Daryl, as they dragged Daryl out. The crowd chants, kill them, as Andrea stares at Daryl in shock. Okay, Brittany, where did you see the theme of manipulation in these episodes? I saw it with ding, 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 the governor. (laughs) For sure. Yes. He manipulates the entire town, literally anyone within sight. It's all he knows how to do. And Michonne is right in describing him as the Jim Jones type. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because you said Andrea was drinking the, the cool ju- or the, the juice, juice or the Kool-Aid, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, because his rhetoric perpetuates just an ethos based on fear, otherness and protection. He's totally shamelessly pandering to these Woodbury residents sense of belonging and their desire for a shared purpose and community. The governor repeatedly uses the word terrorist. I kept rolling my eyes each time he said that. He's so manipulative with the words and phrases he uses, as well as the information or lack of that he chooses to disclose to people, especially in front of the entire town. After the whole shootout between Rick's people and the Woodbury guards, the governor stands in the middle of Woodbury's arena and says, I should tell you that we'll be okay, that we're safe, that tomorrow we'll bury our dead and endure. But I won't. I can't. I'm afraid. (laughs) I'm afraid of terrorists who want what we have. They want to destroy us. And worse, because one of those terrorists is one of our own. Merle, the man I counted on, man I trusted. He led them here and he let them in. It was you. You lied, played us all. This is one of the terrorists, Merle's own brother. What should we do with them? This guy is absolutely reprehensible, using fear as a tactic to to unite his people, which alternatively feels very divisive to us as an audience watching. And this also ensures Rick's group is thought of as the enemy, the ones they need to defend Woodbury from. Everything is a performance for him, everything. He even uses the same language and tone when he comforts Andrea after she tells him that Milton didn't find what he was looking for in those experiments. He says the same exact words. Hey, hey, it's all right. It's all right. (laughs) In the exact fashion to Maggie as he was releasing Maggie to be in the same room as Glenn. Mm -hmm. It really is as if he's memorized lines to a play. And for him, the show must go on. I don't remember exactly what happens after Andrea sees Daryl in the arena, but I hope this opens up her eyes to who the governor truly is versus the faux persona he's presented to her. She knew Daryl, and I know that people can change as time passes, but I really hope she wakes up. Get woke, Andrea. (laughs) Andrea! Damn it! Oh! (laughs) Oh, man. And so I also see that the governor manipulates Maggie. Once Merle tells the governor that they didn't get any info where the group is at from Glenn, the governor says he will talk with Maggie. At first, his approach is nice and businesslike. He says he will bring her group to join them as if they will be some big happy family. But Maggie doesn't fall for it and says no. He says, fine, we'll try something else. He tells her to stand up. She doesn't at first, but then realizes she had better stand up. He tells her to take off her shirt. She says no. He tells her, take off your shirt. 
or he'll bring Glenn's hand in there. She takes it off. He says, go on, meaning her bra. And she grapples with this and then takes it off. I remember feeling so bad for her when I saw this for the first time and watching it again. It was still so scary, awful, and so degrading. He continues to threaten her with rape as he slams her down on the table. But she says, do whatever you're going to do and then go to hell. He puts his hand on her back, which is so intensely terrifying. And then he pushes away from her, realizing he isn't going to get what he wants. The governor is so methodical. He takes each step carefully, stopping to see what might work for him. He probably never intended to rape her, but wanted to put that fear in her so he would get the information he wanted. When he brings Maggie out topless to where Glenn is at, Glenn thinks she was raped. And this is another manipulative tactic the governor used to try to get Glenn to divulge the information he wanted. When that doesn't work, he threatens Glenn's life and Maggie can't take it and tells the information that he wants. Brittany, where else did you see manipulation? I saw it everywhere, actually. So everyone is manipulated by the idea of power or, I mean, the lack thereof. So the governor and Milton want to have power over the virus and walkers. And because of this, the governor finds value in Milton and his strong background in science because he is manipulated by losing power over his daughter's human state. Mm -hmm. Penny is now a walker. And the governor, like many people in desperation, is trying to find a solution for this. Some way to get Penny back as a human or revive her human memory somehow. Milton is manipulated by the governor, not only for the fact that the governor enjoys setting the stage for all who are around him, but also because the governor probably has not disclosed to Milton that he still has Penny locked up. I don't know. Maybe he has. But he's making Milton feel as if his research is extremely precious and high priority, and maybe he only feels this way because of Penny, and maybe Milton doesn't know that. And then another instance of manipulation with power is with Merle and Glenn. So Merle manipulates Glenn not only to get information about their camp, but he's also guiding Glenn to feel remorse over what happened in Atlanta. I think this is typically what happens when those who were wronged now have power. Merle had no power on that rooftop and he had to really fight for his life. He had no hand. <laughs> um, he also didn't know that they came back for, for him, like to look for him until now, which is almost a year later. So imagine sitting with that anger for a, almost a year, right? He is manipulating the situation because he doesn't want Glenn to only be sorry. He wants revenge too. He makes the situation so the only option really can be executing Glenn and Mackie. I don't know what Woodbury has done to previous prisoners or enemies, but I'm sure the governor wouldn't have been so quick to approve Glenn and Maggie's death if he didn't know about their history with Merle. I know he also doesn't want and Andrea, <laughs> uh, Andrea to find out about her former friends being mm -hmm. in custody. And he certainly uses the rooftop history in a manipulative manner when he tells Maggie, your people are dangerous. I know what you did to Merle. I feel that this history only helped Merle to manipulate that situation. It just struck me that so many people are quick to choose to use manipulative tools when they're presented in a place of power. And I guess I just wonder, like, if we're presented with it, would we all choose to manipulate another, even if just temporarily? It's just, it's very interesting to me what we justify in order to survive, gain power, or save face in front of other people. I noticed Glenn's manipulation of his surroundings while he was tied up in a chair 
and Merle let that walker loose on him. He used a box sprain to give himself space between him and the walker. He breaks the chair he is tied to and uses it as a weapon to kill the walker. He gives this big primal yell after he put down that walker, a release from everything he just went through. Then, when he and Maggie are left together with the walker, Glenn tears apart the walker with his bare hands to use the bones to use as a weapon, and he gives it to Maggie so she can protect herself. Glenn is quite ingenious and quick thinking, which is paramount in these crucial situations. I would have never thought of that, ever. I know that maybe you think yeah. that you would in the heat of the things, but mm-hmm. I just don't think I'm smart enough to ever think, hey, there's a dead body. Let me just rip it open and grab its bone real quick. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Maybe you would. I just yeah. wouldn't. I just know I wouldn't. I'd be scared. I'm going to die. I know. Right. <laughs> just give up. I also think because he has to protect Maggie, too. Right. And I think that he's just like, okay, what can I use? Plus, his brain is just like that. He's been like that. Right. all... You know, since we've been exactly in, since he's been on the show, he's just very good at assessing very, things and figuring things out. And he was a very valuable part of the group. He is. Glenn. <laughs> okay, Brittany, what are other things that you noticed? So, really quickly, when they're in the forest traveling to Woodbury, Rick says, "Get information to the group." Yeah. And all I thought of in that moment was that group. Dancing to Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Then I paused the episode and I was with Boffy. I listened to the song and me and Boffy were dancing. (laughs) So it was really cute. So thank you, The Walking Dead, for just inserting Beyonce in there real quick (laughs) without knowing. Um, I also noticed that after telling Glenn that the governor barely touched her, though he did threaten to rape her, Maggie says... All this time, running from walkers, you forget what people do, what they've always done. And I was thinking, oh, don't worry, girl. Real fun's about to begin with your villains. Here comes Terminus, Wolves, and Negan. (laughs) (laughs) And I would also like to add that I yelled out, how many damn times have you put my favorite characters on their knees to die in this show? I know. It's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you so sad. So, and that's when Maggie and Glenn were about to be executed. It's just so painful to watch. However, I did love their, you know, their sweet, tender moment of Glenn telling Maggie, just look at me. And Maggie said, I love you. So I, I still believe they're the best part of this show. I agree. They're the best. And lastly, I would just like to say that I'm happy that Carl went out to help Sasha, Tyrese, Ben, and Donna. I don't know if their son is still there. I wasn't paying attention, I guess. But it's exactly what Lori told him to do, to not lose his goodness and to make the right choice. And he does this while protecting his own family, and I really admire that. He's growing up right in front of our eyes. (laughs) I'm a dog mom, and now I'm a TV mom. (laughs) (laughs) Carl is so brave and such a leader, and he is only a kid. He hears Tyrese, Sasha, and their group arrive at the prison and goes to check it out on his own. Herschel tries to stop him, but Carl says he needs to do this. That is what his dad would do, so Herschel lets him go. He kills a few walkers and finds the group and tells them to come on. They follow him. And then their friend dies from a walker bite and Carl is ready to put her down before she reanimates. And Tyree says they take care of their own. Carl backs off and then puts them under lock and key, telling them that they have water and are safe. 
Sasha doesn't like it, but Tyrese says, let the man run his house. We haven't had it this good in weeks. Must be a moment of relief to let your guard down for just a little bit. But they just put down their friends, so not sure their minds will rest anyways. Carl is really stepping in while Rick is gone, and Dad should be really proud. I thought these were really good, crazy episodes, and so much happened. I mean, Michonne stabbing the governor in the eye. So darn satisfying. And she held her own with the governor, a man, an angry man at that. Daryl and Merle finally seeing each other. Andrea seeing the big picture now. Michonne was right all along. Love that Glenn and Maggie come out fighting. And a funny little thing was with Carol telling Axel to back off 17-year-old Beth. And he says, he's been locked up and no one is left since Maggie's with Glenn and that Carol is gay. And Carol says, I'm not gay. He says, you're not? Oh, that's interesting. And she says, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we are at the Why We Love Rick segment. So, Brittany, why do you love Rick? I love Rick because I know that he sympathizes with Daryl when Daryl hears that Merle is there and he wants to go speak with him. I mean, do you blame Daryl? If I was separated from my sister in the damn zombie apocalypse, I'd be running, no, sprinting in her direction if I heard any news that she was still alive. However, Rick stays focused and reminds Daryl of all the outlying factors in their current situation. They're in the middle of a shootout. Glenn is injured. They are outnumbered. They cannot afford to make a rash decision based on pure curiosity or emotion. They need laser focus on surviving and getting their people back to the prison safe. I know how difficult it must be to be Rick in this moment, who is essentially keeping someone else from their loved one, even though it's not his fault. It's just the situation and it sucks. And Rick handles it with tact, grace, and strength. Daryl is visibly disappointed, of course, and probably can't stand the anticipation of seeing Merle again, but at least for that moment, Daryl sees Rick's point and knows it probably isn't great timing for a Dixon family reunion, so... (laughs) (laughs) I think Daryl is pretty... He shows his loyalty to the group, which is awesome, Mm -hmm. which is really amazing. I I don't think I could have done that in that moment. Like, even if someone was telling me all these things, like, it does not make sense for you to go see your sister right now, it'd be so hard for me to not go see my sister. Yeah, your sister's really nice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's true. And Merle is kind of like, you know, yeah, whatever. I know, but but it's still his brother. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm saying I know it's so hard. And the fact that uh, that, so that shows he's really strong. Yeah. He's real and he's very he's trying to be clear-minded. Too. Yeah. So, I appreciate that. Me too. And why do you love Rick, Diana? I love Rick because he leads the group of 3 <laughs> to save 2 <laughs> in a town of 73. <laughs> what? <laughs> Would you go against those odds? Most people wouldn't. Rick hardly ever cares about the odds. It's usually about saving people he cares about or about doing the right thing most of the time. When they took down all those walkers at the prison before they made it in, people didn't even try because it was too many walkers. Merle told the governor it couldn't be done and the inmates couldn't believe it either when they first came became aware. Anyway, Rick is always willing to play the odds when it comes to his family and friends, and that 
is why I love Rick. <laughs> okay, Brittany, what are you currently watching? So let's start with Fear the Walking Dead, season four, episode three, good out here. And everything is going to be spoilers that we're talking about. So just skip forward like five minutes if you want to skip this. But I will say that I didn't like the entire episode as much as the first two. I don't really know why, but I do think that the ending was absolutely phenomenal TV. I also think it's interesting that having a character killed off, yet still having a storyline of flashbacks is... I don't know. I just don't know how that's going to work. So I'm guessing the flashbacks have to end sooner rather than later, right? Because I think he wants off the show. But I thought the scenes tying his death back to the flashback in the meadow with the bluebell flowers was just beautifully done. And I would like to say that when I first started watching this show, Travis was my favorite character. Then he died. And then Nick was my second favorite character, (laughs) and now he's dead. And Nick actually was the person who started the show, really, if you think about it, because he's the one we see in the first episode ever in that church or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a recovering addict, and he's really the one to... We follow his storyline first when we start watching the show. So it is really sad, and also I love him because he was in Harry Potter. (laughs) But... um, But I understand that sometimes actors might feel tied to a certain character and maybe they want to go off and explore new things. So I respect his decision of wanting to leave. But I'm just saying that my two favorite characters that were on the show are now gone. Yeah. No, mine <laughs> so, are too. Because I would yeah. say Travis was one of my favorite also. Yeah. And then I really like Nick a lot mm-hmm. too. But at least it wasn't the writers and producers writing him off. Totally. It was really just him wanting to be off. So there was nothing they could have done. They had to do what he wanted to do. But Mm -hmm. yes, it's like, oh my God. But he is. He's like on all the promotional, most of the promotional flyer posters that I see of Fear the Walking Dead. You know, like Mm -hmm. him with the blood on his face. Like, I feel like that. Yes. I just always tie him. Yes. As the main, main character of this show. But it's okay. Shows evolve. Yeah. Well, and then it shows at the beginning, you know, he was the drug addict person. And so now where he's come, and I just love when people have this transformation. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, of course, there's no drugs around, so he can't. But still, it's just seeing someone's journey. Mm -hmm. And so you want to see that keep going, and now he can't. So that part sucks. Also, I just want to say very quickly, him and Morgan had really good chemistry. They did. I thought so, too. Such good chemistry. So I guess that was one thing that I was really bummed about because it would have been cool to see their relationship blossom. And maybe they could have been closer. They, you know, sometimes I feel like both of them feel like lost souls and connected really well in that yes. what, one scene or two couple of scenes that they yeah. had together. So yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I didn't see that coming, (laughs) and I thought something happened to Madison since she isn't in this episode, except for flashbacks. They kept showing those blue flowers, which was a connection between her and Nick, and Nick was so vengeful in present time. And I'm thinking, why? Why is he like that? It seemed as though something happened to Madison, which really... Something still could have happened to Madison. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, darn that little girl. I usually <laughs> don't hate kids, but I hate this one. <laughs> I um, I just really liked the episode. And I really liked John and Al and Morgan. And an Easter egg fun 
uh, Nick offering a that peanut butter protein bar to Morgan, and Morgan accepts it, remembering the connection between him and Michonne and the protein bar. Cute. Yeah. Okay, Brittany, what else are you currently watching? So, for TV shows, I am still catching up on 3%. Bloodline. So Bloodline is a family drama set in Florida. There's a lot of dark history in the family and it's pretty stressful to watch. Just letting you know before mm-hmm. you jump in. But it's very powerful acting and writing. There's just always drama within families. I'm also watching Bobby Kennedy for President, which is a short docu-series about Robert Kennedy. And I just saw that the last season of Scandal was added to Netflix. and I need to catch up on that as well as How to Get Away with Murder, because there was a crossover episode with both of them. And I could probably do it over the summer when I take PTO randomly for my staycations in my <laughs> in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> for movies, I watched The Discovery. So, in the future, a doctor has found scientific proof that there is an afterlife. This causes many people to commit suicide, because they know they're for sure that there's an afterlife. It's crazy. They it think it's crazy. resetting their <laughs> lives. And one person who is a bit skeptical is the doctor, you know, the one who discovered this, his son. He's skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. And we see him visit his father's cult-like compound. And then we kind of watch his relationship develop with one of the other people who's visiting there. So pretty interesting. I also watched Ricky Gervais' Humanity. And I usually like him, and I think he's hilarious, but a lot of the content seemed pretty tone-deaf, just in the climate that we're in. I did giggle, but I think maybe other people who are less socially conscious (laughs) might find it funnier. (laughs) It's really hard for me to let things, just to let certain things Mm -hmm. slide. I also rewatched Cloud Atlas. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. Did you like it? I did like it. Okay, cool. I don't think it did, like, super well. It didn't. But I liked it. I liked it, too. Okay. Yeah, it was fun to rewatch. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, so for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a science fiction movie made in 2012. It's based on a 2004 British novel. And I really like how the official synopsis online presents it because I think it's just perfect. So they say it's an exploration of how the actions of individual lives impact one another in the past, present, and future. As one soul is shaped from a killer into a hero, and an act of kindness ripples across centuries to inspire a revolution. I just think that's beautiful. (laughs) And then, oh yeah, Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, and Jim Broadbent lead an ensemble cast. It's really effing long. (laughs) (laughs) But I enjoyed rewatching it. And then I also watched Bottom of the World. I think this is an indie film. It's a mysterious drama about this couple who travels to a town and then the girlfriend disappears. And I'm not going to tell you what happens after that because it's all spoilers, but Mm. it's a really strange film. I wasn't expecting anything that happened after the first 20 minutes. And I was just thinking, what? How did we get here? Uh Uh-huh. How did the plot get here? (laughs) But I enjoyed it. It's different. Um, It just surprised me. And the hidden meanings between everything were very intriguing to think about later. And lastly, I watched Anon. Amanda Seyfried and Clive Owen star in this. So it's similar to the Black Mirror episodes Crocodile and Entire History of You in the way that all of your memories are recorded and referred back to. So there's a serial killer and these cops are trying to get her. So or get the serial killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just it's really interesting. It didn't get good reviews, but I liked it. 
Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, and I thought, and it captivated my attention the whole time I watched it. So, for those of you who are into, you know, Black Mirror, like those kinds of yeah. episodes, I think that you would like it too. Very good. What are you watching, Diana? Well, I love my reality shows, and I'm continuing to watch them all. I haven't seen Dancing with the Stars yet, but I plan to. Um, Roseanne, I really liked this one. It reminded me of the old shows where both Roseanne and Jackie hate their mother and don't want her to stay with either of them. And she was kicked out of an old folks home, which is kind of to show you her personality. Um, But what is so funny is that they don't hide this from their mother. Like she knows, you know, she's fully aware that they don't want her to live there. and They don't like her. But it ends on a good note because Jackie and her mother have this tender moment. And that is the thing that I that always works for me on Roseanne or any show. It's mixing humor with tenderness. Um, I continued watching Barry on HBO. I watched a couple more episodes and it's been pretty funny and tragic at the same time. This is the show where Barry's a hitman and now wants to be an actor and how he navigates trying to let go of one life and lead another and to have a future. It's interesting also to watch Barry's love interest, uh, a fellow actor in class named Sally, played by Sarah Goldberg. She captures the portrayal of a struggling actor's life in LA, which really draws you in. It's some fine acting in this half hour show. And I just wanted to bring up um, SNL. I didn't watch the entire episode last night, but um, what I watched was Danny Glover and I watched three quick skits of his and Donald every... S- oh, sorry. What did I say? Danny. Danny. Oh, I <laughs> Donald Glover. We also like Danny Glover. We do. We do. Donald Glover. All I saw was the three skits that he was in, but all three were so funny. And one was a um, a takeoff on The Quiet Place, and they called it The Kanye Place. And so they were like, just really quickly, there was like five of them standing there. and, And Donald has like a cell phone, and I think he's reading tweets that mm. Kanye's doing and as he reads each tweet some of them are saying oh, we got to be quiet we got to be quiet because that thing's going to come and attack us but then somebody reacts to what <laughs> Kanye's tweet has said and they you know say ah or say something like that's whatever and then they get take eaten by this monster <laughs> one by one it is just really funny I just think <laughs> they did a really smart job in doing that and um and, but he was like extraordinary and I just want to see more of him now and I'm curious to see his performance so that'll be fun I'm going to go back and watch that but um, as far as movies um, I think you saw this movie it's the week of with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock about two fathers and the week of their children's wedding Um, Chris Rock is a surgeon father of the groom and Adam Sandler is the father of the bride who is paying for a budget wedding (laughs) and anything that can go wrong does go wrong I mean it got really bad reviews I mean, it did make me laugh. I also saw Thor Ragnarok um, last night. And it's a 2017 superhero film based on Marvel Comics, sequel to Thor and Thor the Dark World. It's the 17th film in Marvel cinema. Um, I noticed that Thor's character, played by Chris Hemsworth, was more comedic in this film than in previous films. I felt it was a little bit out of character. And then after watching the movie, I read that the director wanted to showcase Hemsworth's comedic skills, so he incorporated into the character. Other than that, it was a pretty good film and entertaining. Awesome song played during two of the battles, Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, which 
I love the song way before it was featured in any movies, but I can't help but think of Jack Black singing it um, from School of Rock, which is another awesome film. That is one of my favorite movies ever. Yes. I love it. I, I love, love it too. I love him in that role. I do too. Perfect. I think it's perfect. Perfection. It, was, <laughs> it is. And I want to sing it. And that's why I, I can see him when I hear that song. That's all I can think about is him. Yes. And just so quickly, I want to mention when I was going to bed, I was watching Dumb and Dumber. And when I first watched that movie, I thought it was the worst movie I had ever seen. I'm like, who? Why did they make this? And whatever. But now I have to watch it when it's on. It just makes me laugh so much. And I love Jim Carrey. I'm a super huge Jim Carrey fan. So um, I liked it. Fun fact, I don't think Jim Carrey has ever won an Academy Award. I know. And, he and I love the it. Truman. Like, the Truman Show was so awesome. And we're huge Jim Carrey fans, too. Yeah. Like, I think How the Grinch Stole Christmas is one of his best roles. Like, try watch that movie and imagine anyone else playing that role. Well, anything. Seriously. I mean, The Mask. The mm-hmm. Mask was yes. my favorite for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then um, now we watch Fun with Dick and Jane all the time. Yes. And and, and, and I don't think... And I just like the film because it's just funny. Mm-hmm. You can just sit down. And then uh, we always watch um, Me, Myself, and Irene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's so, so. myself and Irene, right? Yes. Yeah, Irene. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's just, I just love when he, he's just great comedic actor. I just love it. And I miss that he's not doing it. He's off painting now. Yep. Oh, well. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> okay, we are at, and the award goes to segment. Brittany, who does your award go to? Nothing but love for my president, Michonne. My girl kicks ass. I love the scene where she finds Walker Penny, attempts to help her because she thinks she's a little girl, mm-hmm. and then she turns around and sees she's a walker. And when the governor pleads with Michonne to not hurt Penny, she puts her katana through the back of Penny's head. What's so ironic is that the governor says there's no need for her to suffer when it is clearly him suffering without Penny and his late wife. He is the one in denial. Like Michonne said, Penny doesn't have needs anymore. When Michonne takes that glass shard and sticks it in his eye, I jumped up and said, Yas, queen! (laughs) I'm so happy she went rogue to go after the governor. And she doesn't feel the need to explain herself at all, which is great. Michonne shows no fear and vehemently hates the governor. Rightly so. And I do want to point out that I did tear up watching the governor cry after Walker Penny died, just because I don't wish any father that pain. And I know that obviously he loved his daughter a lot and no father should have to see their daughter die, even though she died a long time ago. But, but you know, the governor is a bad guy and I was just really rooting for Michonne. I want to second that. I think Michonne takes the award this week. Besides all the reason you spoke of, Brittany, I can't believe she fought the governor. She is not a big woman, but she is very strong. He was choking her, but she still got the upper hand. Also, when Michonne first met Rick, Daryl, and Oscar, they were questioning her and not liking her answers. Well, she was not liking their attitudes, and she gives them this death stare. Her eyes move slowly across the room, and you know she's thinking, if this goes south, how am I getting myself out of here? (laughs) At one point, Rick tells her that Glenn and Maggie are our people, and she better start talking as he pushes on her gunshot wound or touching her in some way, and she says, don't. 
touch me. Daryl points his crossbow and threatens her, and she says, find them yourself. Woohoo, Michonne! Good thing you end up being on the group side. Because we know Michonne's true character, we can appreciate her in these earlier episodes. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday. Next show will be on Season 3, Episodes 9 and 10. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. Bye! Bye!